coming into the world. The realm of vision and color returns. Now well used to our, our root, our routine, our rhythm, our roots through the building, round and about. There's a familiarity to our, our life together, this particular community, particular gathering of, of beings. Every morning we come out of our individual rooms, spread across the center, the campus, gather together to form this body. We separate out for the breakfast time and chores, walking practice, gather together again. Since this hall is just a, a large lung breathing us in and breathing us out. Clustered together, forming a single body and scattering apart as individual what they call relatively independent subtotalities. We're all wrists relatively independent subtotalities joining together as a group joining our voices our bodies our intentions and going our separate ways In the same way, our, our own bodies and minds, even closer to home. Similar flow of coming together, separating out, breathing in oxygen, nitrogen, breathing out. Little more carbon dioxide, little less oxygen. The trees breathe it in, take in the carbon dioxide, turn it into wood, leaves, and breathe out oxygen. Assimilating all the meals, cups of tea, glasses of water, since we've arrived here, taking them in, releasing them. The bodies, the world, this retreat, you know, all these different dimensions of, of our life are in an incessant, utterly unrelenting flow of change. Unremitting flux. 
as we develop the practice together, as an increasing quality of calmness, tranquility, focus of attention, then this very quality of, of changingness, transiency, uncertainty, We use this very quality as a, a lever to help prise apart the, the habits of attachment, identification. My body, my mind, my retreat, my plans, my routine, my yogi job, my mood, my crisis, my delight. As we calm down, we can see more clearly. This is the natural result of a steadying of attention, is uh, our innate intelligence, that in us which is able to recognize patterns in nature that operates more easily, more clearly. Yatabhutang jnana-dasanam, knowledge and vision of the way things are. So as the quality of, of stability, steadiness of attention, slowly develops. That's what arises from it. We start to recognize the patterns of our, our life, our mind, our world. The reflections that we recite in the morning the form is not self. Feeling is not self. Form is impermanent, feeling is impermanent, perception, etc. These are our ways that we help the process of, of uh, pattern recognition to be developed. It's like a, a blueprint, a little template, user's manual for the the body and mind. As we start to, to look and feel, intuit, using these recollections is like glanc glancing at the user's manual. Oh right, the body is changing, feelings are changing, moods are changing. Sankara which translated in the chanting as karma formations. This includes uh, thoughts, intentions, moods, feelings, memories, ideas. The whole conceptual, emotional realm. And then vijnana, discriminative consciousness. That faculty of mind which and discriminate this from that, the very units of cognition. 
the raw basis of of uh, discerning, discriminating this from that. So we recite these words and take them in to have a uh, a user's manual, a blueprint to help us recognize what's going on in our minds, our worlds, the world around us. So rather than thinking, oh no, I've got a cold coming on, we think, oh, anicca. There was no cold, now there is a cold. It changed. Or there was a cold, now it's gone. Changed. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and feeling quite cheerful and chirpy and going about our business, brushing our teeth. Suddenly we, we realize, oh, last night I was having a crisis. Oh, I totally forgot. Oh, what was I having a crisis about? Oh yeah, right, that's a real problem. Sound familiar? (laughs) It changed. So we use these these reflections, anicca, uncertainty, transiency, to reframe the way that our body, our mind, our world is experienced, is apprehended. Dukkha. Is this perfectly satisfactory? Can this make me happy forever? Your bird song in the morning. I think, oh, how beautiful. Yes. But only because we're not hearing it all the time. Chirp after chirp all day long. First mouthful of a cup of tea. First cup of tea of the morning. Ah, yes. Delightful feeling. How would that be if we had to sit and drink tea all day long? Hour after hour. The uh, stern eye of the authorities looking over you to make sure you didn't stop. Drink your tea. Keep going. Don't stop. But I've had 84 cups already. No longer delightful, is it? That delight, the satisfaction was dependent on conditions dependent on the situation, dependent on the thirst. So, as we were saying yesterday, these reflections on anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and not-self, 
These are not philosophical positions to believe in, but tools that we use to work on our our mind movements, our attitudes, habits of relationship with our body and the world. This is the essence of insight meditation, is the, the using of these tools, the technique, the essence of the technique is applying these simple tools, reflections on emptiness, change, uncertainty, not-self, unsatisfactoriness, as the, the flow of perceptions are, uh, takes shape, appears in consciousness, to meet the, uh, the flow with this and a filter. Inclining the attention away from whether we like or dislike, we'd say, oh, look, it's changing. Comfort changed to discomfort. Dark changed to light. Gray weather changed to bright. Sickness changed to health. Depressed mood changed to cheerful. Clarity changed to confusion. Noticing the change, focusing upon the change, and the quality of uncertainty. What is it? Where's it going to? Where did it come from? Don't know. Uncertain. Is this totally satisfying? Can I keep it? What is it that's aware of this moment? Who does this body belong to? What's the bit here that owns the memory? What is owning? How can anything own anything else, really? When the mind thinks, I, what's it referring to? What is that? So all of the multifarious different ways that we can apply these tools, the method of vipassana, or insight, is recollecting to use these tools and applying them to the flow of experience, perceptions, But the actual vipassana is not the technique, it's not the applying of the tools, it's not just the consulting of the manual. The real vipassana is the change of heart that occurs when the tool has been used. It's the, oh, aha, all right. Well, that's different. That feeling, that quality of release, 
of spaciousness, unconfined awareness that becomes apparent when the clinging stops, when the identification stops. And the habit is interrupted for a moment. So, when you're feeling a mood of great inspiration and delight, ask yourself, who does this belong to? What is it that's aware of this? Is it changing? And when you do, then see the transformation that happens in the heart. When you're feeling miserable and oppressed on the edge of a crisis or on the wrong edge of the crisis, already gone over the edge of the crisis, ask yourself, is it changing? What is it that's aware of this? Who does this belong to? Is this a permanent condition? Desire object. Five minutes ago you didn't even know it existed. Now there's the gotta have it feeling. Walk out of the room and it's gone from view and forgotten again. What made it so compelling? What was that gotta have feeling that seemed so real, so valid? What made that so substantial? And when we apply those kind of reflections, look what happens in the heart. There's an immediate, tangible quality of, of suffering dissolving. Constriction, alienation, tension dissolving. Buddha said, the greatest happiness of all is to be free of the conceit, I am. Ajahn Sumedho paraphrases that as saying, whenever I think about myself, I feel depressed. (laughs) That's Ajahn Sumedho saying it. That's because I am depressing. (laughs) (laughs) The I am is is depressing. It presses. It presses down. It confines. It limits that which is inherently unlimited. The heart is boundless. Abundant, exalted, immeasurable. The nature of the citta, the heart, is intrinsically timeless, limitless, selfless. And when we think, I am, suddenly we're putting a fence, a little box, 
around this little chunk of of consciousness and making a, a huge other, a little me. And of course we feel constriction, alienation, insecurity, because who knows what the heck that other's going to do to what's inside the box. Danger. And there's no I am when we let go of the the conceit of identity and allow the heart just to rest in that open awareness. There's freedom, peace, ease. So to uh, recollect and reflect as we develop the insight practice, the point is not just uh, remembering the words, you know, anicca, anicca, anicca. The point of the whole thing is the result of applying the tool, that quality of the heart unburdened by, by attachment identification, binding itself to the world of things, hoping they're going to last, fearing they're going to stay, creating self and other. But <coughs> you know, so we apply the, the, the practices diligently, but remember it's not just the point the point is not just to to do the the actions of the the practice capital T capital P but to taste the fruits that come from it to be nourished by that otherwise we end up cultivating all the fruit looking after the orchard and then starving to death in the middle of it become a very good breath watcher, uh, impermanence tracker, Anicca, Anicca, Dukkha, 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 Anatta, 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 Anatta. We can become very competent at tracking the data, but never allowing ourselves to rest in the, the, the result of breaking the delusion. And it's a quiet delight. It's not a, a sort of roaring attention-grabbing pleasure of satisfaction, like a sense pleasure. Because it's quiet and subtle, we often miss it. Coming into a room and thinking, oh, there's nothing here. And then racing on, because there's no attention-grabbing, significant 
present, interesting thing there in the room. But what is in the room is space. And when you stop, allow yourself to pause. Oh, what a nice room. Allow the heart to appreciate the space. And we experience a depth of, of happiness and contentment that we're never going to get from discovering some interesting object, some fascinating picture or book or delicious food. Interesting person. Oh, hi. Good to see you. We never say that about the space in the room. Oh, hi. How long have you been here? Space is not interesting. So it takes effort to stay with it, to relax into it, to let it relax into us. This is why in the reflections on the Four Noble Truths, whereas dukkha needs to be understood or apprehended, the cause of suffering needs to be abandoned, the ending of suffering, dukkha niroda, needs to be realized. That means we need to notice it. When the clinging stops, ah, Normally, it's only the change from the state of clinging to, to not that we, just the, the transmutation, we catch that, the feeling of relief, but only for about three seconds, four seconds. And then the mind goes, so, what next? So what happens when we let that appreciation sustain itself after the three seconds. Not just noticing the ending of suffering like when the bell goes at the end of the sitting. It's staying with that quality of spaciousness and relief before you get on to the next thing. So it's not just the immediate change from tension to non-tension but allowing that non-tense quality to be an object. It's really hard, because our senses are tuned to the objects, things that are exciting, dangerous, edible, threatening, beautiful, ugly, smelly, space does not grab the senses. Peace does not grab the senses. So training the heart not to just be guided by the reptile brain reactions. Want, hate, good, more, ouch, bad, 
good to apply those other regions of our, our being that can say, oh, let's be open to this. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing to be, nothing to have. Let's just open to this. Let the heart rest with this. And then that space, which uh, seems to be uninteresting and have no thing in it, then it blossoms. And feel the quality of the heart brighten. Like the uh, the term in Thai, Bergban, that uh, Joseph was describing last night, means blossoming or liberating, coming to fruition. We allow ourselves just to to be open to the space of the mind, non-engagement, non-attachment non-identification. And that blossoming is what we experience. And the, the peace, the happiness that comes from, from that is far more profound, substantial, than the happiness of getting what we want in terms of a sense object or a, an idea or a feeling. One of the uses of, or one of the, the ways that we can help sustain that is cultivating the meditation on listening, attending to the inner sound, the sound of silence. Because it's a far more diffuse, unlocated object than the feeling of the breath. Also, it's not subject to personal will. You can't decide to make it louder or softer or change it. With the breath, you can decide to breathe deeply or shallow or hold your breath. The nada sounds, you can attend to it or not. But I can't do anything with it. So just like the Dhamma, it's, it's always there, but we miss it most of the time. When you pay attention, it's vividly obvious. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. It's independent of personal will. It's a very good symbol for the, the transcendent qualities of the, the Dhamma itself. And training the, the heart to rest in that spacious, open quality, it can provide just, a, just enough of an object or a reference point to help support the attention staying with the present moment.
but it's a diffuse and unlocated object, spacious object, so that it doesn't uh, bring about so much of the mind latching on, getting caught up. Almost as if it's like the sound filling the space, like the, the, the air in the room, or the light in the room. Yeah, the, there's light in the room, there's air in the room. But it doesn't interfere with the spaciousness. One can apprehend a spacious, open, unconfined quality. So in sustaining the insight practice and developing open-hearted awareness, you'll find that listening to the inner sound can really help to support that. It's almost like in the world of sense objects, it's a... a concomitant of the quality of awareness itself. It's a sound, it's a a sense object. But it somehow matches a quality of awareness here in the, the realm of the subject. just to let the heart rest in that peaceful, open, attending quality, listening to the world, listening to the mind, listening to the body. And recognize the result that comes from that. Everything comes into balance.
Finish with the uh, reflections on universal well-being, which uh, you will find on page forty-one. In freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may I maintain well-being in myself. May everyone abide in well-being, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may they maintain well-being in themselves. May all beings be released from all suffering, and may they not be parted from the good fortune they have attained. When they act upon intention, all beings are the owners of their action and inherit its results. Their future is born from such action, companion to such action, and its results will be their home. All actions with intention, be they skillful or harmful, of such acts they will be the end.